Hello, this is your host, Dr. Casey Bradley, and welcome to Pig Progress's The Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the producers around the world. Well, we're going back to one of my favorite pork production countries, and that's Denmark. We're going to interview pork producer Asgard Krosgaard. He was recently featured on Pig Progress's webinar about loose housing or free farrowing crates for sows. But today we're going to talk about the state of the Denmark pork industry. So stay tuned. Well, hello, Oscar. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, in, in Denmark, it's, uh, it's, uh, the sun is uh, shining. It's a little bit dry, but uh, otherwise uh, it's, it's going good here. Thank you. Awesome. Would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of background about yourself or our audience in case they're not familiar with you? Yes. Thank you first uh, for the invitation to be a part of this podcast. I'm a farmer in Denmark. I've been a farmer since uh, 91, where I took over a family farm. That time there was 130 sows and there was 30 hectares of land. Then uh, it had been uh, developing over the years together with my wife and uh, daughter. We have been growing uh, the farm. So uh, today we have uh, 2,700 sows and we have uh, a full line production uh, making around 90,000 pigs a year. And then we are running about uh, 1,100 hectares of uh, land today. We have uh, 30 employees on the farm. And then on the family side, we have four kids. The two boys, they are 29 and uh, 25. They have made the decision that they want to go into the business. So they are on the way. Uh, they are One is in the job and the other one is on farm school right now, but they are on the way uh, into the farming uh, business also. So, uh, so that's... That's the situation here uh, on the farm on the West Coast in Denmark where I'm living. That's awesome. That is my dream that Arthur may want to go into the family business too, but he doesn't really like animals like me. (laughs) 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 He's a, yeah, so you have to be so proud that your sons are following the tradition and keeping it alive. Oh, yeah. Of course we are, and that is uh, really interesting when some of your family kids uh, want to go into it, but also on the other side, you're also aware of that uh, that still that there is a future as uh, farming and hopefully that they can get a good life about it because I think that's, that's most important. And yeah, in a way, it doesn't matter what you are and what your kids is doing. The most important is that you are having a, a happy life. Yeah, so. Wonderful. But today, um, with your son's back on the farm, it sounds like, and it growing well, you have other things that you do on a daily basis. Yeah, I have been uh, over years, uh, had my interest interest in the way where I'm selling my uh, pigs. I decided, like many other farmers have in Denmark, uh, to sell my pigs to a cooperative. And in Denmark, uh, we have had several cooperatives over years. We have it all over our farming. We have in the for the milk, we have for the for the crops, uh, we have co-ops, but also at the slaughterhouses have been abattoirs. And uh, I'm a member of uh, Danish Crown, 
as is today. Uh, it has been merged uh, over the years. So today there is only one cooperative slaughterhouse in Denmark, and it is Danish Crown. It is owned by around 2,000 pig producers and 5,000 cattle farmers. And uh, Danish Crown is uh, slaughtering 17.5 million pigs in Denmark. No, 13.5 million pigs. We are slaughtering totally around 17.5 million pigs in Denmark. So Danish Crown is slaughtering around 70% of the pigs uh, that is slaughtering in Denmark is Danish Crown. And about uh, 50% of the cattle also they are slaughtering Danish Crown. And I decided uh, to be a part of this company uh, first as uh, where I'm uh, sending my pigs every week to Danish Crown, but also to be a part of the ownership, being a part of the representative first. And then for uh, now 19 years, I have been a part of the board in Danish Crown. And today I'm vice chairman of the board of uh, Danish Crown. That's pretty cool. I have been to the Danish Crown facility. I can't remember which one, but versus a U.S. system and, you know, very similar things, but different. And I really enjoyed the tour and seeing how things are done a little different and learned a lot. And so you can take it back to the staff and the board that I really appreciated the opportunity to visit a few years ago before COVID and have been impressed with that facility ever since. So. Uh, we have uh, several facilities and, and we have some old ones. Uh, it sounds like that you have been in Horsens on the newest uh, so uh, I think, yes, yeah. Uh, it is, the, it is the, the biggest and the nicest plant uh, we have for slaughtering pigs. It's working quite well, the plants we have uh, in Denmark. We also uh, is slaughtering pigs in, uh, in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are slaughtering pigs in Poland and in uh, Sweden also. So we have been, the, the company have been, been growing over the years, so it's not only business in, in Denmark that is... Uh, going on well i was gonna say you know there's always numbers that come out of denmark and obviously we have a lot of danish influence genetics here in the u.s from denmark and the opportunity to tour the danish swine industry was incredible i recommend anybody get a chance if they could to come over and visit your facilities and the biggest thing i noticed is like there's a reason why your production numbers are so high in efficiency it's the care of the animal welfare and then even you, the environmental things that you take into consideration is, I feel like it's some of the best swine producers in the world in Denmark. And so just complimenting. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thank you very much. And uh, good that you enjoyed. And you also really welcome again to come and visit us and, and see what we are doing. But we have been in uh, developing over the years because mm-hmm. we have a big production today and and. of our production is exporting out of Denmark. And because of this, we also have to be competitive with the world market. So we really have to to be uh, in front of all areas with the things we are doing. And otherwise, I don't think that there is a big difference if you are producing pigs in in the US, Mexico, Brazil, or in Denmark. Uh, In the end of the day, many of the thing is the same. We have uh, different conditions to work with, and I can easily uh, see all the problems, but uh, I can also see uh, all the good things in being a, a farmer here. Definitely. The biggest thing I noticed was the sows were huge, and we're like, those are much bigger than our girls. So, yeah, 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 that, that, that's something with the genetic to do. 
Let's talk about the current state of the Danish swine industry. What's going on? Obviously, Europe and grain supplies have been impacted by the war in Ukraine, and I'm assuming export markets have been influenced as well. Kind of talk us through what's going on today in for your producers. Yeah, as I, as I said earlier, I have been a producer for for years now, and uh, I must say that that we are in a situation. I, I cannot remember that we have been in a situation like like we have right now. We have been in in ups and downs earlier. We have had crisis, and what having the biggest effect on our production is when there is a big difference between the meat price and the feed price, because the feed cost is the biggest cost we have. And and I must say that it is crazy right now. And it is uh, for many farmers, we still believe in that in a short time, it have to level out. So the meat price, they match uh, the grain prices. But um, the things have changed in the world uh, around us. And it is uh, first because that we saw in the fall uh, that the feed prices was uh, raising. It was the grain, it was the soya. But then the big effect we saw when uh, Russia went into uh, Ukraine, we saw really a big uh, raise on the prices, especially grain. And the meat prices, they are not on the level right now, so we can make money. But 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 still, in, in this thinking that it had to raise the meat price because otherwise, yeah, uh, our money, they uh, they can't make it for, for years uh, with this production uh, different that is in meat and, and grain prices. So how long has the producers been losing money? How many months? It's a big difference because it depends on what setup you have. In average, Danish farmers, they have about 70% of the grain they have on the farm. They're growing themselves. Mm-hmm. But then some farmers, they have all the grain on the farm. And some farmers, they are buying all the grain through the year. Mm. And some farmers, they have made contract last harvest on the grain, on the feed they need until next harvest. Mm-hmm. And many didn't because they thought, gee, that's too expensive right now. Yeah. It can only be cheaper. So they didn't make uh, the contracts. And that's my many farmers actually right now, they are buying to the day prices, day-to-day prices. And there you are really having a cost on the farm right now where you are buying to the day-to-day prices. But the farmers uh, that had the grain for the year, uh, through the year, they are actually they are still making uh, they are making money. So it's a big difference. But in areas, people have not made money since uh, New Year. And from what you told me, producers need about twenty five percent higher market prices to break even today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need about twenty five percent to have a break even, and that's not only because of the grain. And the feed prices is also the energy cost on the farms. Mm-hmm. Uh, power have been raising uh, crazy also. Gas, if you're using gas for heating up uh, your farm, that's also went up many times. And again, depends on do you have a contract on it or are you buying day to day? So that's a big difference that is from the one farm to the other. As from 2022, Pick Progress is proud to be teaming up with the Real P3 podcast. Professionals from around the globe already knew how to find Pick Progress as a reliable source of global and exclusive pig information through our website, newsletter, magazine, social media, and webinars. 
And now, in its 38th year of existence, there is no escaping. Your favorite pig media is prominently present in audio form as well. Find out more to access all podcast episodes and register for a free newsletter through www.pigprogress.net. On the pork supply side of things and the pricing, obviously, how has ASF in Germany and COVID in China impacted your market? Because you're 90% export market. Yeah, it's really important for us that we have the uh, access out of Europe. We have the European markets where we have an agreement that we can send the products across the borders. But then if we want to export out of Europe, we need the access to the market. It can be to the market in, in USA, uh, but it can also be to uh, Japan and not least uh, China. China has been an important market for us over years. And we have had the access uh, from Denmark now for years. And that's because that we have been free of uh, African swine fever. African swine fever had developed in, over the years coming from uh, the east. And first it hit uh, Poland and then uh, Romania, and then latest it hit Germany in August last year. Because that German is uh, or was a big export market as, uh, as Denmark, they had, uh, instead of exporting the meat out of Europe, they had to sell it in, at the European market. So that affected the meat prices in Europe and also in Denmark. We are indirectly a part of the German market also because in, in Denmark, actually, we are producing about 32 million pigs a year. Uh, and as I said earlier, we are slaughtering 17.5 million pigs mm-hmm. a year. So actually, we are more than 14 million piglets at 30 kilo. We are exporting out of Denmark. And mostly, or many of them, they are going to the market in Germany and in Poland. We are really close to the European market and the prices there. It has been tough for us also, this African swine fever, uh, that it has been uh, going to, to Germany. How have you mitigated the African swine fever to keep it out of Denmark? Or are there special things you're doing to protect your borders and, and kind of walk you through? Or do you guys have special plans to protect your export market mm. further? Yeah, how we have seen the, in Europe how the disease have moved from one place to another. Uh, it have moved, when it have made the, the big distance, it have been people moving it. Mm-hmm. And people have been moving it to uh, a place where there have been wild pigs. Mm-hmm. And, and mostly it have been food, uh, where you have had infected food. Uh, that you have been throwing out for garbage uh, and then a wild pig have been uh, picking it up mm-hmm. uh, and then you have uh, had the disease there. Uh, we are in that lucky situation that we don't have any wild pigs in Denmark. We had a, a really little population, a few hundred for years ago, but then we made a fence. Now you have been in Denmark uh, and, and if you remember, there is water. Uh, mm-hmm. Around most yeah, of you. <laughs> way around Denmark uh, and and we only have 70 kilometers of uh, border land border to Germany and for five years ago we made a fence a wild pig fence along the border 
And then this little herd uh, we had of, uh, of wild pigs, we shoot them. And uh, we have not had any coming over the border since. So, so that's actually the biggest thing for us to, it has been reducing the risk uh, really for us uh, that we don't have this population of wild pigs. That, that's the main thing. And, and the second thing is that we really controlling the trucks coming over the border. Now, as I said, we have been selling a lot of pictures to the German market and the Polish market. And every time a truck coming back to Denmark, it has to go through a, a wash, a disinfection at the board. Uh, and it is a thing that uh, in the industry we are financing together uh, to make sure that uh, we are not bringing in disease. And then the first thing we have is we have East European uh, employees on our farms. Uh, when they go home for a holiday, a visit, uh, where they come from, we are really aware of uh, what they are bringing in. They are not allowed to bring meat back to the places uh, where they live, where they work, uh, because that is a big risk also. Mm -hmm. So that's, I would say, the main things as we do against uh, African swine fever. That's awesome, because I am scared to death that if it ever got into our wild pig population, we would never be able to stop it. So. <laughs> You have a, a population of wild pigs. A lot. Yeah. And uh, I live more in the southern part of the country and they're really dense down here. And that's you know, kind of what we're scared about is with the African swine fever in the Dominican Republic. It just has to get over to Mexico. And then most likely we couldn't stop it because of the wild pig populations in Texas. Like, Everything they've deployed has not been able to keep them under control and not just devastating for the swine industry, but a lot of potatoes and different crops down there get devastated every year because of wild pigs. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Europe's always tough on regulations as well. What is the situation today? You talked about the future of farming, right? And concerned about that for your sons coming in. What are some of the political things on the agenda today that you are concerned with or you're trying to work through? For years, the head top lines uh, for our production have been, um, it has been the environmental focus as we have had. Uh, and of course, because we have this uh, big production, the politicians uh, have been at focus on, on how we handle our production, how we handle our manure. And actually, I, I think we have been invested a lot of money in this and the water uh, environmental uh, around our farms. We have, uh, I would say, we, we are we are okay place about this. There's still focus on it and we are still working with it. The main thing uh, we have right now around our farms is, uh, is this uh, climate discussion about uh, the CO2. Uh, right now, the politicians, they're talking about that we shall have a tax uh, on this. And I would say that. Uh, that that's quite important that we get this handled uh, in a good way because if they make a tax on uh, on the farm production as they are making on some of the industry, uh, then it can kill us from the one day to another. Um, it is uh, biologic uh, production as we have, and and we can't uh, change from one day to another about this. We don't have the technology to it. Or, but we are working on it, and I would say I'm impressed how the Danish farmer they have been taking this issue to them, and they have focused on it when they make new investments uh, and so on. But we can't change the 
the CO2 problem from to zero from the one day to another. We have made a, a program where we say in, in 2050, then we have a, a zero production about uh, CO2. And in a way, I believe that we can we can manage this, but we need time to work with it. And we don't need a tax uh, in the meantime to uh, on, on the farming industry. I remember from our last discussion, you mentioned the fact that this debate, obviously the, the carbon credit could tax or whatever we want to call it, would kill the industry today. The sense of responsibility of producing efficient food for the world came out in the conversation. And I've had a concern with this climate change and these taxes, you know, as they discuss it even here in the U.S., that we're just pushing the problems to different parts of the of the world. And we may solve the problem and make ourselves look good here, but obviously people still have to eat, food still has to be grown. What are your kind of thoughts on that from a Danish perspective, the 90% export market? You're literally feeding the world. Yeah, but we are. I can hear that we are thinking exactly in the same way. We think that we we need uh, to we need to make um, be clear of that, that we are we are part of the world and uh, uh, the pollution. You you cannot uh, you cannot make borders uh, for those for this. And uh, the politician they they have to be aware of that we cannot uh, close the door, close the border, and then only think about ourselves. We have to be a part of. The big solutions we make together and also around the world. And you are right, it must be the efficiency production that had to be a, a part of the future. And uh, we also have to be aware of, and I know somebody, they don't like it, but the asking for meat, as we see, is still growing. The population in the world is growing. The people that, that have the money to buy meat Many people today then don't have the money to buy meat, and there is still a growing population uh, for for asking for meat. I think we have the the coolest way is to produce it where we have uh, the lowest emission uh, uh, of uh, carbon. And we say to the politician that that we think we can be a be a part of of the solution here, and we have to be aware of that uh, we are in a, a farming area where we have the area to have farm production, animal production, and then another part of the world, they can make uh, wine. Uh, another part of the world, they can make uh, cotton to uh, clothes. Uh, and that's the way it is. We, we go skiing uh, in another area, and where we go and ski, they cannot grow crops and so on. Uh, so we have to have uh, the big glasses on here. I love it. We talked about challenges and problems. What do you see the biggest opportunity for swine producers to go to this carbon neutral pig? Where do you think that lies as a producer? The biggest possibility. Like opportunity. Yeah, Where do you assume. think the biggest opportunity or, or in your mind for growth? Um, yeah. Uh, for years now, I must say that. For the people outside the farming and the people that is not close to the farming, efficiency is not a good word. Mm-hmm. And, and many consumers, they think that when the pigs is going outside, when they're going uh, in an old barn with straw, that's the right way of uh, having pig production. But now uh, when we are um, measuring the carbon per kilo 
produced meat, we must say that it is the efficiency production where we have control on all the things. And um, the more pigs per sow you can produce, uh, the lower output you get per kilo produced meat. That is one of the biggest uh, gifts I have got as uh, as farmer because now we can show that we can produce the meat. The efficiency way of producing meat is also when you look into the climate. Then this is the lines. Yeah, it is the right way to do it. I think that's one of the biggest opportunities we have as a modern uh, efficiency farming production. Well, awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I always give my guests the opportunity to turn the table and ask me a question. Yeah, I need to ask you, what do you think about the prices on meat in the coming year? I think there's a lot unknown. I can speak more comfortably about the U.S. market. We've been having record highs and it seems to dip. Our stock markets are dipping. Um, They're raising interest rates. All the analysts speak of recession. We look at the record rain we're having and uh, the cold, very cold spring we had. So we look at input costs. Like we said, I'm not sure that's going to go down. So even if we can maintain higher prices, um, our input costs on we have the same situation, energy, you know, we we're told we probably won't be able to afford fat. We're looking at maybe a uh, dollar a pound or a half, a half a dollar um, per kilo of fat costs. So obviously it's going to be a challenge. And I think, as you said, this is where efficiency pays off in the market and being the most efficient and doing things right. The prices need to remain high. The question is, is in, in my mind is, Ultimately, when we look at export markets for both your your market situation and ours, what's going to happen with COVID in China, um, the port situations, right? And we got a lot of port disruption we've had here in California, getting goods in and out. Um, and then we have port um, disruptions in China right now with COVID. And then, of course, with the Black Sea, we have port disruptions. So I'm not a great economists, but you know, looking at those and watching COVID the last couple of years, I think we're on a roller coaster. And I don't know if you can hedge or mitigate your risk <laughs> very well this coming year on pricing. Yeah. Well, that that's that I can hear that's quite as difficult at your place as it is <laughs> as it is at our place. So yeah. uh we are in the same boat. Yep. And we just yeah. have to keep supporting each other and, and keep yes. trying. So. Yes, 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 yes. Well, thank you for being on the Rule P3. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, pleasure also here on my side. So uh, nice talking with you. And before we go, don't forget to go to pigprogress.net and search for that webinar on free farrowing and listen to his thoughts on that. So that's another added resource if you enjoyed this episode learning about the Danish systems. As always, though, if you get a chance, hug a pig today for me.